Welcome to Wook AF with Ruth Steele, the podcast that delves deeper into some of life's unanswered questions, fears not the juicy real talk and taboo topics, and aims to educate on self-help healing. Join us and relax as we explore the mindsets of those choosing happiness and making a positive impact in our desperately disconnected world. Hello, lovely listeners. Today, I'm joined once more by Madura Bagvat, and we will be talking about yoga teacher trainings, as well as the misrepresentation and overuse of the gurus as a means to killing the origins of yoga. We hope you enjoy and are ready to listen with an open mind. And thanks so much for being here. How's it going? Good. I'm running a couple of minutes late. Apologies. The day is running away with me today. Um, I've got my setup here, podcast recording. So welcome along once again. And thank you so much for having another challenging conversation with us. But um, I just kind of mentioned a few seconds before you came on there that I think it's been really great, the response, um, certainly that I've received of people saying that although it can be uncomfortable having these conversations, it's also great that we're all learning together and finally talking about so many of these issues that have been ongoing and swept under the rug for far too long. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for again having me. I hope you're not bored having me each time. (laughs) Not at all, not at all. Let me turn these comments off so they're not blocking you but if anyone has a comment I'll pop them back on at the end um yes and as I said so today we're going to be talking about yoga teacher trainings and the gurus in yoga we have a couple of other sprinkling um you know topics that we're we're putting in here as well but in general we're discussing problematic things that we see arising specifically in yoga and the wellness industry um so yeah, I guess a good place to start with is the yoga teacher trainings and um, what a new yoga student kind of looks for, how they can maybe spot the good versus the problematic um, in a yoga teacher training. So what's your opinion about YTTs? Um, In my understanding of a yoga teacher training, I fail to understand from the very beginning as to how the 5,000-year-old knowledge can be put into 200 hours or 300 or 500 hours. So definitely there is lack of understanding of this entire concept. It's not that I'm against YTTC, but sometimes I fail to understand, uh, you know, see quality teaching. And when I specifically mention quality teaching is now from our past podcasts, we've seen that yoga is nothing but actually a philosophy in itself. And within that philosophy, you have different branches, such as the physical postures, the asanas, then you have the breathing techniques, the pranayama. So there are multiple things which fall under this bracket of yoga. Mm -hmm. So when someone says that I'm running a yoga teacher training, but then they're only teaching physical postures and not paying so much attention to the philosophy or the Eastern medicine and, you know, which go all along along with uh, yoga. Then how can you name it a yoga teacher training? Probably just call it an asan teacher training. But it cannot be a yoga teacher training. Mm-hmm. And definitely then in my understanding, um, it lacks quality. And most of the students who are new to this entire practice or the journey, they are unable to see through these schools 
because you know they have beautiful websites they put out the syllabus as to what yoga alliance has provided and uh, the students believe that and they sign up for the training but you never see any kind of prerequisite which is required for a yoga teacher training so in case if you want to enroll for 200 might as well have one year practice or you know study these books or something like that so in my opinion yoga teacher training is not complete in itself and definitely if someone is taking that up is more like a beginning in that path rather than the end so after certification um you are not really a teacher you are still a student for instance even though i have been you know involved in yoga teacher trainings especially with philosophy and psychology i always say i'm not a yoga teacher i say that i share that knowledge because i'm nobody to teach anyone anything mm. i just have knowledge which i think i can share it with some people who are probably new to this field so putting myself on a pedestal or any yoga teacher it would be wrong because they have to acknowledge those who are running ytdcs that you lack a lot of knowledge when it comes to yoga Mm-hmm. It's like if you want to teach physics or psychology or chemistry, how can you call yourself a professor of that when you barely studied anything? So you can't be reading just ten books and starting a YTTC. But unfortunately, with your gala, with commodified everything, we have the yoga teacher trainings. Mm-hmm. And what do you notice that the differences are between, I guess, yoga teacher trainings that are offered, say? somewhere like India, which is the birthplace of yoga, compared to like a lot of the Western YTTs that are offered? Because I can see that there are pros and cons to both. And perhaps it's just good for people to have a little bit more knowledge about it so they know what they're looking for. Uh, usually the trainings which are run in India, they are uh, run by Indian teachers, mm-hmm. primarily. And then of course you have some Western teachers here and they're teaching some parts of that training. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to yoga teacher trainings in the West, now that we're in the UK, how many times or you know, in which of the schools have the students learned certain subjects from India or from an Indian who belongs to that culture? So, you know, it, it kind of uh, appears strange to me when someone is talking about the Vedas and the Vedanta, the Upanishad, the Gita from a Western perspective, rather than giving an Indian teacher an opportunity to to explain their experience and the culture mm. and therefore what happens is yoga has uh, been appropriated because it has been taught by western teachers according to their understanding of what yoga is mm-hmm. but in india that's not how we see things so it's it's a completely different idea now of course a lot of people argue that you know but then even indian teachers are minting money out of uh, western students who are traveling to india but then if you want to understand that you have to understand the history that india has undergone because of the british raj or the british rule colonization uh, we still in india most of them that white are supreme and therefore you have these fairness creams ad who everyone wants to become white or you know fair mm. so that supremacy uh, they feel that oh no we want more and more western teachers to come and study and as far as Indian studies or the formal education goes, we do have teacher training at the university level. And there are brilliant institutes like, you know, traditional schools such as SVSA by Swami Vivekananda in Bangalore. You have Bihar School of Yoga. You have Kaivalya Dham in Lonavla. You have Yoga Institute in Mumbai. So there are so many schools, but none of these is uh, affiliated with Yoga Alliance. Mm. So how do you think Western students are going to come to these schools? Because if they're not affiliated with yoga alliance 
they feel that once they go back to their countries, they cannot teach there. And therefore, most of the Indian schools are now associating themselves with yoga alliance. But, you know, that's mainly because of the Western supremacy or the white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So today, you know, uh, Yoga Alliance is cancelled. I'm sure most of the Indian schools will also give up on that, 100%. It's really interesting because I think from the perspective of a new student, if I can, you know, just recall back to what my thoughts were at that time, I think a lot of students feel like if a school is registered with Yoga Alliance, that that somehow <laughs> makes them on this pedestal like you said above and beyond and just expected to be teaching all the right things um when it's not necessarily the case so it's good that we're finally speaking up about that and recognizing that i mean do you think that's why some of those really great schools haven't wanted to register with yoga alliance because they have noticed that happening they have noticed and they don't feel the need because Mm. they're not is and you know these are organizations that are not after money or yeah. you know they don't see as business many most of them are ngos or they're uh, run by public funds and things like that yeah so that's why you don't feel the need in fact i have studied from some of these institutes so i can certainly vouch for what they teach mm. you know as, and plus i have also studied with western teachers so i have seen a lot of uh, difference when it comes to the approach of yoga Mm. So, for instance, you know, uh, in India, now that we understand that Ashtanga of Patanjali just has a definition of Sthiram Sukham Asana, that means a steady, comfortable pose. So, all the postures that we are doing comes from Hatha or Hatha Yoga Pradipika. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have learned from all traditional Hatha schools and never in any of my trainings I was taught as Hatha being a dynamic practice. But then nowadays you have yin training, restorative training as a counter to a dynamic practice. And they say that, oh, Hatha is a dynamic practice. And I'm like, where? Because I have never done it. So there's a lot of this uh, misinformation and uh, misleading information as well, which has been floating around everywhere. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, I would definitely blame some of the Indian teachers. I won't say all, but some of the Indian teachers have also uh play a huge role into taking this wrong message outside but at the same time i it would be naive to dismiss that western teachers are um, not opportunists mm. they are taking advantage of everything that's been going on so it's kind of happening from both ends mm-hmm. i'm glad you said there about the the styles because that's another thing that can be misleading for people when they're looking into yoga teacher trainings if they don't know what the styles are but then if they start researching into them they're not really being explained properly even by the schools especially the western schools dare i say it um and i still i mean i've started noticing it a lot more since our previous episodes obviously i'm still learning so i'm i'm going to keep noticing more and more things and uh, also noticing my mistakes and you know going forward um, but I yeah I'm noticing that a lot of schools I mean I guess it's sort of a simpler way for them to kind of like dumb it down on their social medias for instance but on their Instagram they will say something like you know they they provide yoga teacher trainings and also teach meditation and pranayama but like even that is misleading because They've already said that they teach yoga, but it, it's dumbing it down and trying to pretend that 
like we've said before that the meditation and the pranayama isn't yoga so it's just very misleading and then if people are trying to do their best to learn about different styles and what styles incorporate what practices within yoga it's very hard for them to get this complete knowledge from everything that seems to be mismatched absolutely and you know somewhere i feel uh, yoga alliance is to be blamed for it mm. uh, the reason being under yoga alliance any school or a student or rather you know a student once you finish your 200 hours you can register as a senior teacher mm. after 4 years mm-hmm. and then you can start your school but yoga alliance never checks that in those 4 years have you been teaching have you been studying so for all you know you know in 2016 you did your training for 4 years you did nothing and then now in 2020 you feel like oh you know what i want to start my school and boom it's mm. out so who keeps a check on these things because yoga alliance physically never goes and checks things so yes i think a lot of things are going wrong from their part and at the same time people are not stupid they know that oh you know if i start a yoga teacher training i can earn money much better than what it would be in teaching a drop in class they want to start running teach training without having proper knowledge of all the aspects of yoga mm-hmm. not practice and not just like you know the beginner intermediate advanced practices but actually understanding the philosophy and uh, the practices through and through mm-hmm. like i recently met someone and i was talking about shatkriyas you know where in jalaneti you uh what the nostril and then in sutra you put the rubber catheter through your nose and remove it through the mouth yeah. yes <laughs> have you done it yeah <laughs> so see exactly where did you do it in india yeah Absolutely, because in most of the yoga schools in India, although they are turning Western, they're still sticking to the basic roots. Mm-hmm. But in in the UK, in fact, I met few of them, and they're like, "What? Do you really do that in yoga? I never even thought this existed." Mm. A lot of ignorance. But who's doing that? This has been put up by yoga schools because they are. You know, the ego is so up high that they are not ready or willing to accept that. Look. I'm still a learner. I do not have much knowledge about this topic and if I don't have, I must probably invite people from there to teach those subjects. And now with, you know, technology, you don't need a person physically to be there to teach. Mm. A person could be from India. Invite them, let them teach them what, you know, yoga is all about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, corrections have to be done at different levels. Yeah. Um worth mentioning i suppose as well following our conversation from yesterday is that i wish i had known to be a little bit more curious about the certification process as well because no matter where a school is that you're training um i shared with you didn't i that the uh, some of the schools i have attended have this certification where process where some of the students might not have even attended the whole of the course, but then they're still awarded this teaching certificate at the end. And that's not to say that all of the teachers will go forward to teach, like a lot of people do do the courses just for personal and self-development. But again, it seems to be this thing where it's feeding the ego to be like, oh, I'm a yoga teacher. But actually, if you haven't been there present for the whole course, um, I feel like it almost begs that question whether the school should be fully respected or um not respected that's the wrong word but i guess acknowledging more who they're you know being pickier giving the certifications to so that they are ensuring that it's uh, quality teachers that are being produced by the school 
I think you're absolutely right when you're saying that um, the school where you know I was teaching or my own school, my students will actually tell you that they were they felt that it was a torture because I made them attend full two hundred hours and I, it was actually two hundred plus hours mm. because I never gave them a choice to miss out on anything because I was like you know if you want to become a yoga teacher you have to understand all aspects of it. Mm-hmm. I don't give you a choice to pick and choose because in school when you were studying your choice of whether you like geography or history or mathematics at the foundation you have to learn all of those things to be good at a certain subject but yes i do understand a lot of teachers give you that option or schools give you that option and then you know you know of course philosophy is so dry and boring i just want to skip and i'm so uh yeah i mean i do think that there is a lot of uh, problems when it comes to and therefore what i had started is mm-hmm. that i will not certify people rather if you attend the training i'll give you a certificate of attendance instead of certification of completion yes. so certainly a lot of schools can do that and the second point that you pointed out was about you know people having um trauma or mental health issues and things like that Yes. This is my uh, request to everyone listening. Yoga teacher trainings is not for your mental problems. If you are suffering from something, I would advise you to go to a qualified psychologist, a psychiatrist or you know a counselor for mm-hmm. depending upon your problem. But yoga teacher training is not to heal yourself. It's a training so you have to learn different things and while you're learning that a lot of emotions come out but you must be capable enough to handle those things. Mm-hmm. So um why I would like to mention is that in a lot of teacher trainings they say oh you know what I'm sad and this and that and that's why I want to heal myself so I'm joining a training. Do you see any psychologist in the board of teachers? No. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to address your problem because they are not qualified psychologists or counselors. So you first have to go and get yourself checked or treated or whatever help you need from the right person or the right source. Yoga teacher training is not a place for that. Similarly, you know, once a person finishes a yoga teacher training, I will like to mention that they are not healers, they are not therapists unless and only they have done a particular qualification in that. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow if someone comes to me with a problem, I always tell them that I really appreciate that you know you're showing trust in me and you're sharing your problem but I'm not qualified for that. Mm-hmm. You know, yoga teachers are not healers or psychologists unless you're qualified. So you have to form this main thing between your drop-in classes as well as yoga teacher trainings. Mm-hmm. And you have to make it clear to your students because you know it's it's not right. It's not fair. Mhm. I think so much can be said for that. Um because even after like you said a 200 hour yoga teacher training is I'm I would hope most people after doing a 200 realize that it's barely scratching the surface of, you know, the the vast knowledge you can learn about about yoga. Um but as soon as you begin teaching there seems to be this expectancy as well that students think you're a doctor or something as well and able to like tell them uh, or solve all their ailments and i guess yeah. yeah you need to be really um honest and matter of fact by saying you know you're a yoga teacher and not a qualified doctor or psychotherapist or massage therapist like you mentioned before <laughs> as well this is another like overlap that seems to be confused Yeah. I mean, it, you know, pressurizing uh, the students into learning so many things. They first mm-hmm. see when they um want to sign up for a yoga teacher training, 
they don't know how much investment is going to be required after the training finishes mm. so like you know unnecessary add-on things and why would you need to add on for instance like a massage or you know some other aspects or alternative therapies is when you have not understood yoga by itself in the first place mm-hmm. because yoga also has a psychology aspect of it but you must study that first mm-hmm. and in a 200 hour teacher training certainly you're not going to study that because it's limiting your knowledge and what happens is if the teacher trainings are not taught properly there is appropriation taking place and therefore in all yoga studios you have teachers teaching asans mm. you know so many times uh, nowadays i get to hear that oh in my teacher training i was told it's okay to not use sanskrit names and i was like why why is it not okay to use sanskrit names because if you're taking that culture that practice from a certain country all the sutras everything is written in sanskrit then why can't you also learn that Mm-hmm. So for instance, tomorrow if I'm speaking with you, of course I have to learn English to talk to you, isn't it? To get my point across. And same thing is with yoga. And if you don't follow these certain things, then of course there's appropriation taking place. So appropriation is, uh, it comes from ego as well as ignorance. As I had mentioned in one of the you know previous podcasts, it's about Asmita and Avidya. Mm-hmm. Asmita being the ego and Avidya being the wrong knowledge or half-baked knowledge. And then yes of course we have so many wrong practices going on in yoga and wellness industry mhm and i suppose the thing is it's not that we're saying that western schools can't offer yoga teacher trainings or that teachers can't use the english names for postures but if Absolutely. i recognize what you're saying that if they are only using all english names or if they're only offering like all asan based um trainings then they shouldn't really be calling it yoga they should call it yoga influenced movement or yoga influenced um offering <laughs> whatever yeah yoga inspired something like that yes yeah yeah so yeah i mean you know the, uh, the students need to understand and as you mentioned earlier about guru the concept of guru for us indians is something very different you know nowadays the whole concept of guru has come into being especially with the um, mysore style practice from mysore mm. through the krishnacharya and in fact the padavi joys lineage so to speak and suddenly you know they speak about oh he is my guru guruji and this and that. honestly as an indian we never see pe- our teachers like that in fact now in this month uh, we have a particular festival called as guru purnima which happens to fall on a full moon and that's the time when we um, worship not only physical like human forms of our teachers but it could be our books it could be our instruments if you're a dancer anything whatever you feel is sacred whatever you worship is guru for you but somewhere now suddenly you know they have put this guruji of patavi joys on a pedestal and you know epitomize the entire concept mm. and now you see abuse physical abuse or you know there is a lot of wrong practices which are done by these gurus where people fail to understand that they are human beings mm. you know they they are yoga teachers or probably guides they are not gurus Mm-hmm. so one needs to understand that very clearly so even when you're signing up for a teacher training or any yoga training for that matter and if some website says oh this is a guru teaching here question them mm-hmm. ask them about their background because 
See, for instance, I'm Indian, isn't it? For me to sit in orange-clad clothes with Rudraksha, it's so easy for me to, to fool my people if I want to. Because I speak the language, I can wear a sari, an orange sari, and say, oh, you know, I'm a sannyasi and things like that. So you have to be very careful as to who you're taking that knowledge from. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, don't idolize one person. Because yoga is not, see, in, in yoga, we say that we are seers, we are seeking knowledge. And the knowledge can be seeked from many different ways and different angles. Mm-hmm. So the moment you put that one person, oh, this is my guru, for all you know, the person is not genuine. And then you have problems, what you have been seeing in the Ashtanga yoga world or Ashtanga vinyasa world. Mm-hmm. And um, we, we spoke about yesterday, didn't we, as well, how this happens a lot in the West because of the kind of following nature of yes. um, the masses, which happened with Bikram yoga, which was shocking. If anyone's not yeah. seen that documentary, definitely check it out. It's crazy. Um, yeah, and I, I do see a lot of white teachers that, that are very well known actually, that say uh, will acknowledge each other or themselves as Guruji. But that does make me question a little bit because yeah, like you said, I guess we need to be more curious about asking why, like for a start, why they, they use that term and what they're trying to influence in others because then it comes across as, um, it's less humble to share your knowledge in that way you're saying i am a teacher i'm here to teach you rather than like you explain you don't even class yourself as a teacher you just explain that you can share the knowledge you have um yeah that's kind of how it comes across to me absolutely you know why because uh especially because i have been myself an ashtanga vinyasa practitioner and uh a lot of times there are physical adjustments which are done. Mm. To be honest with you, being a Hatha practitioner myself, because my initial trainings were all in Hatha, mm-hmm. not ever, ever physically touched me. Because what they said is that with how deep you go into the posture, you will open up eventually. Mm. So it could be three months for you, it could be three years for me, but what's the hurry? There is no competition. Mm-hmm. Who are you competing with? So why do you want to push and pull someone into postures? But then in uh, Bikram or in Ashtanga Vinyasa, you're constantly seeing people sit on someone and pulling and pushing mm. to deepen into that practice. Does that mean you've deepened in the, you know, in the growth of or towards spirituality? Probably not. Mm. There is a lot of this uh, misconception about all these concepts. Yoga never told you to pull and push people into the postures or sit on someone's back or, you know, touch people at the Mula Bandha area the perineum or something like that mm. this whole new age and you will also understand what i mean it's important to point out here all these teachers i've spoken with a lot of indian teachers not a single person has experienced physical touch by these teachers as compared to western men or women mm. so somewhere i think they need to think then why is it that indians are not touched but then we are touched because our culture is such as I told you, you know, we don't have the concept of hugging anyone. We don't hug our teachers or anything like that. We maintain that uh, distance and respect or the, rather the boundaries. Mm. So from the very beginning, you know, we are maintaining the thing. Look, I'm not going to allow you to cross the table. 
you are there, I am here, and let's maintain that. Mm. What happens? Everyone respects each other, so there's no hugging, kissing, and all these things going on. Because at the end of the day, the gurus that you're calling, they are human beings. They can misread statements or your intentions. Mm. I'm not saying you're wrong, but humans are humans, you know. And yes, they are not gurus. It shows that they are normal people, just like you and me. Um, what would you say to? Um, I was just thinking about what you were saying there because I, I I fully understand that, and especially going back to us reiterating the point that we are talking about specifically Indian culture here because that is where yoga derives from. Um, but I suppose thinking about the the way that yoga has uh, like evolution has moved yoga. Um, if other cultures are very huggy and kissy, maybe it feels more natural to them to welcome their students in that way or whatever. Um, and I was just kind of thinking to myself that I noticed that in like an Indian, Indian culture, because yoga is so at the root of, it seems many people's upbringing, even if they don't specifically study yoga, it's like they're taught it from their family. Therefore, this affects things like their posture, um, the way that you'll probably um, be in a squat, um, a malasana to eat a meal or something like this. Whereas I think in a Western culture, we don't have as good posture for a start. So I can perhaps see the relevance of teachers teaching workshops and things such as like mindful touch so that they're helping the western body's ailments which are caused yeah. from a lot of like hunching or computer work or whatever um, but again i suppose it's important to notice the difference between mindful touch or someone completely like practicing cultural appropriation like you said how bikram was and um it, and, yeah. and then it becoming abuse and just not for some reason you not questioning. You pointed out really well that point because in my teaching methodology class, I always tell the students that look, it's fine to do physical adjustments when you know that there, a student can probably create an injury in the future because of the kind of posture that person is in. Yeah. In that case, because of your you know, care towards that person, yes, go and correct them. Mm. But if someone says, I want to deepen myself into a physical posture so that, you know, they can get into pretzels and things like that, mm. no, it's not required. So from the injury perspective, yes, 100%, you have to be careful with what the student is doing because, again, if a person does not come from a physical background, they do not have a physical awareness. You know, if you're from sports or dance, you know how the body is moving. Mm. But a lot of people who are novice to yoga, they, they not necessarily know that. So in that case, yes, you can guide them. Mm -hmm. So mindful touch, yes. Pushing and pulling, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, what else do you think? I felt like I had a million questions about, I know we've covered a lot there, but what else do you think that people can look out for then in yoga teacher trainings or when they're hearing people use um, and pedestal people to the point of guru. Um, what are like some red flags that people can look out for or what are some more ways that they can kind of deepen their knowledge just to um, know that they're 
on the right track and like respecting the origin of, of whatever uh, yoga they're with, I would like to say that uh, Yoga Alliance is not the end of all of this. Mm. So although you have finished your 200 hour or 300 or 500 from any of these Yoga Alliance registered schools, mm -hmm. please make it a point to go back to the roots where this knowledge comes from and try learning from the traditional schools because there are a lot of things that you will get to learn there where a Yoga Alliance school is not going to teach you. Mm. But for some reason, say if you cannot practice or go to India because of some problem, then in that case, check for all the schools which are around you and see what they're teaching, who's teaching what, and especially when yoga comes from India, do you see a single Indian teacher teaching that, even a single subject? Mm. Because if that's not the case, uh, it's quite likely that there is going to be appropriation. Mm -hmm. It goes saying because it's not against you know i'm not against white people but at the same time you are not from that culture so for some indian to explain those concepts it's much simpler because they've lived that life as compared to someone who reads 10 books and starts teaching a subject mm -hmm. so a find a school which has yoga teacher trainings and uh, see if there's an indian teacher and if they don't have it question them why do they not have it because with the technology as i mentioned earlier they could always you know hire someone from india and mm. the person could be teaching online they could put it up on projectors and things like that so there's so many things that you can do and in the current lockdown we have definitely found out ways to teach online haven't we mm -hmm. so yes yeah, so i think there must be more ethnicity and diversity which must be practiced in uh, yoga teacher trainings and you must call out on people or schools who haven't done that and if those who have already finished their teacher trainings from schools where they haven't learned from any indian teacher try learning from indian teachers online mm. and open up or broaden your horizons you know don't restrict yourself only to the physical practice but try understanding different aspects of what that entire uh, lifestyle is all about because yoga is a lifestyle mm -hmm. it's not what you do on the mat for one or 90 minutes so you must be more vigilant about what's happening and yes there are lots of Indian teachers teaching online learn from them mm -hmm. I love that um, and of course we have your online trainings that are starting from tomorrow very excited if anyone else wants to join them please tell them where they can find the information how to contact you uh you can just send me an email or you can dm me through my instagram page and uh i'll send you all the details so tomorrow we'll be starting um in the second half of the day really looking forward to it um also i was gonna say something there come back to me <laughs> Oh, that's going to bug me. Um, about the accountability group. Yes, I wanted to quickly clear up because we're starting our accountability group from this Sunday. Um, and obviously as a, a, a pre-requisite, um, most people have been following our podcasts that we've covered in uh, practicing anti-racism and how racism specifically shows up in yoga and wellness as well as cultural appropriation, white feminism, and today covering the YTTs and misrepresentation of gurus. Um, but not to be confused with 
just specifically the BLM movement which has been happening. Um, again, it was useful for me to hear this from you yesterday, how I think there is still a little bit of confusion when it comes to, um, it's nice to see that the majority of us are now speaking up about this and saying, yes, of course, Black Lives Matter. Um, but when we're talking about yoga and the wellness industry, this is why we're speaking so much and referring back to Indian culture a lot because that is the origin and the birthplace of yoga. So this is why um, we're gonna be covering a lot more of this in our um, accountability circle, ongoing with these topics. Um, and that's not to say that we're, we're devaluing black lives at all, but in that way, I think it's actually very nice that we're, make, that we're focusing on it in this way because um, I can't remember what it was that we'd said yesterday, but it, if in our yoga and wellness classes we start seeing black lives valued more, but we're still not valuing Indian or Chinese or, or Japanese or any other culture or race or, or, you know, that's in your class, then there's still appropriation happening on so many different levels. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's good to just reiterate that in case people are confused about our intentions with the um, with the group. Actually, you pointed out quite well, you know, uh, because I have forgotten about that. Nowadays, you are seeing a lot of people which are floating all across social media with punchliners, you know, and all about cultural appropriation in yoga and all. Please make sure not all of them are genuine. Mm. Uh, just because someone comes from South Asia does not mean they are from India and does not mean they belong to this certain culture. Mm. So it is quite likely that when they are placing their viewpoint on like International Yoga Day or, you know, about yoga, where it comes from and things like that, it's quite in, uh, possible that their information is not absolutely accurate and they have biased view or, you know, they place with prejudices. So yes, please keep your eyes and ears open before you post something or at least get it checked with someone who comes from that culture. Because what's happening nowadays on social media because of the Black Lives Matter, I'm seeing a lot of South Asians talking about cultural appropriation, but you'll be surprised to know I've not seen a single Indian born and bred in India talk on cultural appropriation because mm. the South Asian communities are not even bringing Indians to talk on the topic where it all comes from. So please be mindful of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and if anyone is curious about that, um, then please... Uh, join our mailing list for our websites. We'll be sending out some more emails before we start this accountability group on Sunday. Um, and yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, to just continue learning with you and delving into these topics and um, kind of coming together to have that support network yeah. because we're not in this alone. We're all in it together and we're holding our hands up and saying, you know, we, we fucked up big time. So um, hopefully hopefully more of us are going to be willing to to go forward and um, yeah, help ourselves in order to, to help each other. Absolutely. And I'm sure things will be fine. You know, if everyone works together, it will be fine. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Madura. I hope you enjoy the rest of your Friday. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to your courses starting tomorrow. Can't wait. Thank you for having me again. And I'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye. Take care.
another important conversation to keep us thinking critically. Thank you so, so much to Madura for your time and energy in sharing with us. I'm so looking forward to your online courses that start tomorrow in mantra chanting, as well as history, philosophy, and origins of yoga. And if anyone else is interested in our accountability group, which is a donation-based online offering, it starts this Sunday, the 28th of June. And if you'd like more details and to join us, it would be a pleasure to have you there. You can drop into our DMs on Instagram or send me an email to ruth at ruthsteel.co.uk. Keep taking care of yourselves and really looking forward to continuing this hard work together, supporting and holding each other accountable so that we can start to see these changes made within the yoga and wellness industry. We'll see you next time. Loads of love.